You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Understanding and clarity of expression. There shall be no errors, no contradictions. The word of God shall be precisely and accurately divided. The power of God is present to heal. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Thank you that you are glorified and we are edified in Jesus' name. Well, I've started a series today and I've titled it Know It Right. Know It Right. Know It Right, part one. Subtitle Thorn in Paul's Flesh. What was the thorn that was in Paul's flesh? know it right now there's nothing embarrassing like an ignorant believer and scripture admonishes the believer not to be ignorant because it is a very dangerous place to be. A very, very dangerous place for the believer to be. Now, the first encounter of the devil was to deceive. And you can only be a victim of deception when you are ignorant. One can only be a victim of deception when they live in ignorance. You can only be deceived by what you don't know. <laughs> First Timothy Chapter 2 verse 14 says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. So this has to do with the Genesis account of the Adamic sin. Genesis 3, 1 and 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And look at the response of Eve. She says, but of the tree, of the fruit of the tree, which is in midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. God never said, don't touch it. God 
never said not to touch it. Now, people often interpret scripture in their own terms. And it leads to error. You realize that Jesus made a statement. He said that Satan takes away the word sown in our hearts when we lack understanding. When he was talking about the parable of the sower. Look at something in Matthew 13, 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. So this is what happened to Eve. And that is what happens to any ignorant believer. When a believer is ignorant, they can easily be deceived by the devil. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. It's a very popular scripture. We use it for everything. But it is meant for the word of God. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, watch this. I will reject you from being priest for me. So you see, God does not sanction a priest who does not know the law. Because they will function in deception. They will function in mistakes and in error. Because they don't even know what God said to do. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. So you see, where a child of God fellowships is very key. Because if you are fed with fables, You will not live in the mirror of God's word. The word destroyed, for my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, is the word originally captivity. So my people enter into bondage for lack of knowledge. For lack of knowledge. Matthew 22, 29 says, Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Jesus equated the knowledge of the scripture to the power of God. Anybody that doesn't know the scriptures cannot know the power of God. Because in the knowledge of the scriptures is the power of God. And he says, you are mistaken. And that's why the Jews up till now are living in bondage. Why? Because they did not understand It is not sufficient to cite Bible references like Satan did to Jesus 
in the four Gospels. And this example for me is very, very important and you must give it your rapt attention. The temptation of Jesus is what we are talking about right now. Pertaining to our knowledge and understanding of the scriptures. Look at what the devil did. Even with the Christ. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Was he quoting the scripture? Yes. Is that what the scripture really means? No. So what it means is, child of God, listen. The devil can use the scripture to trap you. If you know the scripture, but you don't have understanding or knowledge of the scripture, the devil can use it as a trap. To set you up and to put you into captivity and put you into bondage. <laughs> so, proper understanding and explanation of scripture is key, and it only comes. As a result of being taught well and schooled in the scriptures. So there are many who the enemy, because of our lack of knowledge of the scripture, the enemy projects scriptures and uses the scripture to bring us into error and leads us to self-destruct because of our ignorance and wrong understanding of the word. Listen to me, believer. The next important thing after your salvation is knowledge. The next very important pursuit after salvation is knowledge. First Timothy 2.4 Who desires all men to, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. After you are saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. You are the one to come. Nobody can know for you. You are the one to come to the knowledge. So when you are hearing the word of God and you think that somebody is rather, you are rather doing somebody a favor by coming to hear, you don't know what you're doing to yourself. And for most of us, we go to church and it's like we're going to a shopping mall. Now, we do all of these things because of lack of knowledge. But anyone that pursues knowledge in the word of God, to know exactly the intent of God regarding the scriptures they are reading or they are studying, shall walk with God and enjoy their full experience of salvation in a marvelous way. Praise God. 1 Peter 2.2 says, As newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So you can only grow well healthily in your full experience of salvation by desiring the pure milk the proper understanding, the proper knowledge of the word of God. That's where you grow and you grow well. 
2 Peter 3, 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So you don't grow in just any knowledge, but the knowledge you grow in is in the knowledge of Christ. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Anybody that grows in the knowledge of Christ grows in grace. <laughs> when you grow in the knowledge of the word, Christ Jesus, you grow in grace. So you are growing in astronomy. That's good. In the knowledge of astronomy, in the knowledge of healthy tips and, and all of those things. Well, that's good. Are you growing in the knowledge of Christ? Have you asked yourself? Because all of these kinds of knowledge are good, but they are temporary. In him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Without the word was nothing made that was made. He's the subject matter of life. So why do you focus on all other things rather than him? You will do yourself good by knowing him in his word. First John 5.30 these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Hey. So you see why you are doubting your salvation? You have believed. But although you have believed, you still don't know you, are, you have eternal life. So if I ask you, are you going to heaven? You say, I'm not too sure. You have believed, but you don't know you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So it is your belief that gave you eternal life and is not being taken away from you any day, any time now. It is for But do you know? So you can see, we are not urged to believe. We are urged to know in the scripture I just read. Because when you know, you then know what? Believe. In your knowing, your belief takes strides. Your belief is strengthened. Your belief is rooted. Your belief is well grounded and established in your knowing. That's why Paul repeatedly admonished the Corinthian church. Because they had a problem with doctrine. They had a problem with scripture interpretation. They had a problem with the knowledge. So he always write to them. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. Do you not know? 1 Corinthians 6, 2, 3. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and 19. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Do you not know? And if the world be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life do you not know? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God? Will not, sorry. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And it says, neither fornicators, adulterers, idolaters, adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. 
So he's saying anybody who is an unbeliever has no share, has no part in the kingdom of God. 16. 616. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two he says shall become one flesh. Do you not know? 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? Do you not know? So you can see he's been emphasizing on knowing. The emphasis in you are in Christ. So he's emphasizing on who they are in Christ and what they have in who? Christ. So the emphasis you can see clearly is who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12.1 Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> and today when it comes to the things of the spirit many believers are ignorant when it comes to the things of materialism oh my word full of knowledge <laughs> full of knowledge because that's what the church is teaching today Full of knowledge. That doesn't go anywhere. It's error in the world. We must never allow knowledge to play second fiddle to any activity in the local church. Don't allow knowledge to play second fiddle in your Christian walk. Be serious about knowing Christ in his word. And knowing it right. If you do not. It's very dangerous. The church. Is a school of the word. 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us. But if I am delayed. I write so that you may know. How you ought to conduct yourself. In the house of God. Which is the church of the living God. The pillar and the ground. Of the truth. So the church is the pillar and ground of truth. What did Jesus say when he was calling for the church? Upon this truth, upon this rock, the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, upon the truth, I will build my church. So anybody that becomes a believer must know the truth, must know Christ, and must know him in the word to appropriate who he is and what he has in Christ. Now, most times I've had a lot of interpretation regarding Paul's thorn in the flesh. And most I've heard, I mean I've heard a lot. Some said it is epilepsy. I remember somebody called me one of the days <laughs> and the person said their mom the mom said that Apostle Paul had epilepsy. I said, where did you hear that? Where did you get that? And she said, well, that's what my mom is saying. And that's what she has been taught all these years. I said, hey, it's not true. I've heard a, a, a lot of people also say that it's a certain weakness um, with what? Um, um, alcohol. I mean, a lot. So, we, we are going to go into this so that we can understand. Some say that it is sickness. 
He had certain sicknesses and diseases. Whole lot. So let's get into it and let's get to understand. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. of understandings came from. Verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And with this verse, many explain that the Lord refused to answer his prayer. And so it is used as an example of unanswered prayer. That God can refuse to answer our prayer in some cases. And he does that in order to train us. I have heard this severally for all these years. Now, the term thorn in the flesh is not in any medical dictionary. As sickness and disease, it is a figure of speech. And it has been used severally in scripture. Numbers 33:55 But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you then it shall be that those whom you you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell so here, it refers clearly to irritants. People who irritate you. Annoying actions for men. Distractions. Is it clear? Joshua 23.13 Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you, and scourges on your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. So, is he saying that the people have thorns in their eyes? And the first one was saying they have thorns in their bodies? Or they will come and pluck thorns into your eyes or into, into your bodies? No. You can see that it refers to people who were standing 
in the way of Israel. They are called scourges in their side and thorns in their eyes. They were a snare and a trap. Not sickness and disease. They are distractions and hindrances. Second Samuel 23.6 But the sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust, thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. Now, tongues again is used for men. Now, did you realize that all of these verses were speaking to thorns as human beings standing in the way of people who had been given certain assignments or has been given certain inheritance? So, this is readily seen in Paul's text. That's why he calls the reason a messenger of the devil. Not a messenger from God. Because I've also heard some saying that the thorn came from God. Just to humble him. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Let's get into it. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. So the thorn in his flesh was not from God but the devil. So that Paul would not advance further in his revelation of him. So it was rather meant as a distraction to stop him from receiving more revelation in his assignment. So how can God be behind this? The word to buffet means to blow. And blow used for winds and storms. For example, Mark chapter 4 verse 37. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat. Beat into the boat. That's exactly the word. Beat into the boat. In other words, it was buffeting. So that it was already filling. So the waves of the sea here buffeted the ship. Jesus and his disciples were in. Did you hear that? Matthew 26, 67. Then they spat in his face and beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands. So it's used for torture and persecution. Not sicknesses and what? Diseases. Look at the earlier text. So we're going to 2 Corinthians 11. The pretext before coming to the 12. It is in the 12 that he speaks. Of this thorn in the flesh. Verse 8. 
So let's look at the 11, 2 Corinthians 11, 23, 27, so we can understand where this whole situation is coming from. Are they ministers of Christ? So he's speaking about people. <laughs> I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. This is what Apostle Paul was calling buffeting. <laughs> this was what was buffeting him, beating him, blowing him. Look at the post text. 2 Corinthians 12. Come to the 10. After he had spoken about a thorn in the flesh. Verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So this is what Paul referred to for the sake of the word gospel. And that's why, look at the verse 8. He says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. These sufferings, these hindrances of men, these distractions, I pleaded. It was my desire. The word pleaded there was not actually prayer. It is the same word that says to beseech in the King James Version. I desired. 2 Corinthians 12, 18. I desired Titus. And with him I sent a brother. Is the same word that was used. Is the same word that was used in Romans chapter 1. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God. That you present your bodies. Is the same word. Praise God. Listen, another vital use of the pronoun is a fact that speaks to this. Look at the 2 Corinthians 12.8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. I pleaded. Now listen very carefully. In the original translation, it's not it, it is he. I pleaded that he might depart from me. So it's not it. And don't forget that the thorn is always associated with 
human beings in the usage of the word and not things. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Go to the reference text. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure. A being messenger of Satan. Angelos in the Greek. Angelos. It is used 188 times for persons, not things. And Paul rejoiced in God's response. What is God's response? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Praise God. I may rather boast, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of God may rest on me. So you see, Paul, if you look at the 16, boasted in all the issues we spoke to with regards to his sufferings. Look at how he even started it. Romans, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 12, 16. Look at how Apostle Paul started it. Look, I say again, this is, sorry, Romans 12, 11, sorry, 11, 16. I say again, let no one think of me a fool. If otherwise, at least, Receive me as a fool that I also may boast a little. No, it's in the, sorry, it's in the 1260. Sorry, 1260. Go back to 1216, please. After, after speaking to his response, therefore, mostly glad I will rather boast in my infirmities. That is, in the 9, 12, 9, if you come to the 16, he speaks to the boasting. Which is as a result of the thorn in his flesh. I say again, let no one think of me a fool. If otherwise, at least, receive me as a fool, that I also may boast a little. Yes? Let me. Ah, yes, it's so it's eleven. Sorry, so it's still eleven. Second Corinthians eleven, sixteen. So it's eleven sixteen. So yes, I was right. So it's eleven sixteen. So let me just 
make it clear. So, Apostle Paul was saying that the grace is sufficient for him and that the strength, is, the strength of God is made perfect in his weakness. Why? Because grace is given him to go through these sufferings for the sake of the gospel. And so it is not an unanswered prayer, it's an answered prayer. Okay, so that speaks to the fact that the thorn we're talking about has nothing to do with sicknesses or diseases. It has nothing to do with something that came from God. It has something to do with the persecutions of the devil. But then he has received grace to go through them and prevail. That's why he says the strength is made perfect in my weakness. Now, how do we know that he said that what he is boasting about, which he is calling infirmities, is exactly the sufferings. How do we know? How do we know that there were people behind it who were actually causing the persecution? That's why we're reading 2 Corinthians 11, 16 to 21. So you get to understand what he actually started boasting about so that after the prayer God's response he says I will boast in my infirmities Second Corinthians eleven sixteen to 21 I say again let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool. That I also may boast a little. Did you see that? When what I speak, I speak not according to the Lord. But as it were, foolishly, in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I will boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself. If one strikes you in the face to our shame, I say that you were too weak for that. But in whatever one is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. So Apostle Paul is clearly speaking to the fact that his boast is not in what he has. It's not in materialism. It's not in the successes of men. His boast was actually in the things that he is working for God. And he's going through a lot of perils and sufferings. Just like Jesus went through. So no matter what Satan has brought to buffet him in these sufferings. The grace of God has strengthened him through. So that is what he's calling the thorns in his flesh. The persecutions of men. The perils that come with the gospel. Just like Jesus in Hebrews 12 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was said before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus was saying God's grace is his ability. Just like he prayed in the garden and he was strengthened. Are you saying that it is God that brought the persecution on Jesus? No. 
It was the devil. What did Jesus tell Judas? He said, Satan has entered your heart. So Judas became a messenger of Satan. For Jesus to go through what he went through, but he was strengthened by grace. In the same way Apostle Paul is saying that whatever I am going through is a thorn in my flesh sent by a messenger of Satan. Why? Because of my assignment. The revelation of God that is abundant to me. Praise God. So these hindrances by the messenger of Satan, the persecution and afflictions, is what he termed as infirmities. Paul was never unaware of this suffering. He wasn't taken by surprise. Do you know why? Acts 9, 60. Acts chapter 9, verse 60. After his encounter, <laughs> when he was on the road to Damascus, when he got born again, the Lord told Ananias to go and tell him. And what did the Lord tell Ananias? He says, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So he had grace to work. In spite of it, not grace to bear sicknesses. 1 Corinthians 15.10 That's why Apostle Paul says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. To labor means to work continually. I labored more abundantly in the grace of God that was at work with me. Look at Acts 14, 19 to 21. Then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So he was taken as somebody who was dead. But look at what we shall see later. In 21, Acts 19, 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra Iconium and Antioch. Whilst in captivity, you can see the messenger of Satan to buffet him. Even to the point of what? Death. But he survived it. And they made many disciples. They won many souls. They preached the gospel in that city. He went ahead to preach, even in the midst of beatings, because he has the grace of God strengthening him. Even in prison, Acts 28, 8-9, even in prison. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went in to him and prayed. He laid hands on him, healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island 
who had sicknesses and diseases also came in. He healed the sick in the midst of all of that. 2 Timothy 9.10 For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I mean, look at all the things the guy was talking and was going through, yet he was preaching the gospel. He was not unfazed. Nothing could stop him. Why? Because there are so many persecutions that the devil sends his way to buffet him as a thorn in his flesh, but he still stands strong. And the abundance of a revelation he receives goes on and on. All of that was meant to stop him, but it didn't stop him. That's why he said, yet I endure all things for the sake of the elect. 2 Timothy 3.12, look at what he says. He says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecutions. So anybody who is busy about winning souls, not a self-righteous laid-back believer, who also is filled with selfish desires. Anybody that is busily working for the Lord will go through what Paul is going through. You shall be buffeted. But the Lord has grace for you. A thorn shall be in your flesh. But grace will keep you on. It's not sickness. No. It's persecution. Hindrances. Distractions. Second Timothy 3.11 Persecutions. Afflictions. Which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium. Lystra. I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Praise God. In other words, they wanted to harm me, but God delivered me. Just as Satan did with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.8 And which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Praise God. So it was the working of the devil, but the Lord tended for our good. <laughs> so these were human beings, but Satan ruled their hearts. Are you getting the point? To stop the work of ministry. To stop the work of God. For Paul to stop his assignment. And that's why I said that Judas went through the same thing, the same thing against Jesus. Luke chapter 22, verse 3 to 5. Then Satan entered Judas, surname Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So who was behind? Satan. So that is what Paul was referring to. That's why it's important to pray for your pastor. Very important. If your pastor is busily doing the work of ministry, receiving abundant revelation, there will be persecution. And you must continually pray. That's why you must pray for believers who are busily working not seeking their own. Giving their lives for ministry. There will be thorns in their flesh. So Paul's thorn is no more his thorn. It's our thorn. <laughs> it has nothing to do with sickness. No. It has all to do 
with the persecutions, the distractions, the hindrances. The enemy uses men to put in our way regarding the assignment that God has given us. That is the thorn in the flesh. I pray that the Lord give you more insight into his word. That you will grow in abundant knowledge of him in his word. That you will not be deceived. You walk in the light of the truth. Illuminated by the truth. That you shall be perfected in the will of God. And in the grace of God. In the name of Jesus. Grace, glorious grace At the cross you called it finished Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Rev. Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the Word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.